All righty. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Caitlin, and I've learned through my research that children are the most expensive liability that you'll ever buy into. Oh, oh! Uh, you buy into a child if you're adopted. It doesn't just kind of happen. I don't know. I, I was I was taught differently in my public schools. That's not how you get child children. Um, uh, and I'm Zach, and I still love the lucky charms commercials those are like my favorite as a kid and i would i that was like where commercials influenced me the lucky charms commercial mm. i loved them loved them great okay. lucky charms were like eh, what, did, what did you love about it i don't know they were colorful and fun and i okay. love that little hopping leprechaun okay you know you um, love a good leprechaun that or the twix yeah, I love I loved a good uh, animated mascot. Twix was a good one too. The what is it? The rabbit trying to steal the Twix. Do you remember those back yes. in the day? Yes, that was a good one. That was a good uh, one. perfect. You just said everything to set us up on a great foot to uh, <laughs> basically confirm all the research that I done is in fact accurate. So, well done. Thank you. Well, Thank let's you for wrap it up. Off. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Well, welcome to Manipulating the Masses and bye from Manipulating the Masses. Bye. See ya. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Yeah, yeah. All right, as always, let's start off with a question. And we are going to be discussing the buying power of children. We've talked about this in previous episodes. But, Zach, I want to just ask you real fast, why do you think children have buying power? Why did we decide to dive into this? Because... At the end of the day, what's more embarrassing for a parent to buy a kid a toy or to put up with a tantrum in the middle of Walmart with okay. everybody looking around? So you take it from the tantrum. That, You're like anything to avoid a tantrum. I, uh-huh. I think okay. I think that's part of it. Like it, kid, parents always want to give their kids everything they want and all they have to say is what they want and parents okay. will try to make it happen. All right. So I'm going to start off this podcast a little differently and start off with the data tells all portion because that is where the meat of this topic comes into play. So I'm going to hit you with some data. Can I ask you a question before you get into the data, though? Were your preconceptions, you don't have to say what your research was, but has your research today changed your your any conceptions you had about buying powers uh, of kids? I think the numbers were staggering to me. Nothing new was brought to the table. Nothing shocked me. Nothing surprised me. It all kind of made sense. But the numbers. So Mm. with that, I will launch into the numbers. In the U.S., there are 50 million In the U.S., there are 50 million kids age 11 and under who wield a $1.2 trillion annual purchasing power in direct and indirect uh, spending. So I think right off the bat. Wait, direct spending? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, trillion. I think that was kind of the number that really level set expectations for me throughout the rest of the episode. So I wanted to revel, level set expectations for our listeners yeah. and for you. It's like, those are the types of numbers we're dealing with here when it comes to children and their influence. Parents mm. consider themselves the voice of reason when it comes to making and buying, sorry, making buying decisions. They often weigh the opinions of the rest of the family and manage the purchases. Kids are often kind of the arbiters of what's cool, serving as the information gatherers and adv- advocating for specific brands. Um, any ideas of like which of those parents typically make the most purchases? This is just kind of a fun side mm, fact. Yeah. Uh, the mother? Yeah, women. No? Yeah, is it the mother? Well, you know, not that we have to be binary about it, but uh, in in the nucleus family and marketing. Yeah, the mother, right? Right? Yes. Yes. I like how you added that in. That kind of threw me for a loop. 
I was, I was like, <laughs> we're, women, we're... women have the, so let's not even say the mother. Can we just say women? Does that also translate women. to non-binary families? Uh, yeah. It depends, but, but yeah, women. women. Uh, I think women in the family make most of the purchasing. Yeah. So that's just a fun side fact. Um, so yeah, the women are kind of like, taking a poll of what type of purchases they should be making, running it through their families, running it through the children, the husband, and kind of weighing everybody's decision and opinions. Um, I will say that like between the children and the mother, the decisions are often based on like what, sorry, not mother, <laughs> uh, woman. Uh, the decisions <laughs> are actually doing uh sorry they're making their decisions to kind of bring the family together so often they'll mm. make decisions to buy invest in a game to have family game night or movies yeah. and so often between the child and the woman of the family they're kind of weighing those options on how do i bring the family closer together so that's kind of what we'll get into a little mm. bit later um Three in four, uh, three in four parents say that kids influence family purchasing decisions. Three out of every four parents. Uh, some of the kids' influence is the greatest in things like the single child households, urban households, oh. and households with two full time working parents. That is where the child has the most mm. sway. 16. Do you have any theories on why that is? Oh, sorry. I, you can keep going. We're in the numbers portion. I'll cut that out. You'll Six, get to it. Okay. 60% of kids are aware of the household budgets. And this is where I kind of will pause um, because that made me think back to my own childhood. And I wanted to ask you about that too. Like reflecting back on how we grew up, um, I wasn't ever aware of any type of budget or even how much my parents made as an income were you mm -hmm. kind of the same way yeah i was the same way we were just kind of told you can have it and you can't have it yeah and that's all that that's all the reason that i got you know it was like yeah you can or you can't yeah and that was it yeah and that's what you went with what about you you didn't, no, you didn't have any of that, right? I was the same way. And I even thought about it. Like money was so faux pas in my family. Like you did not talk mm. about money. You didn't talk about how much you made. Even when we made a purchase, it was never like, you will never know how much this cost. You know, even at family dinner, oh. my parents would like hide the bill from us. Like you will never understand where our family is in the financial really? hierarchy. Yes. Yeah, that's really? how I. Oh so, my! Go ahead. I was gonna say my parents let me know how much it costs. Oh, I never like they let me know, like <laughs> this PlayStation was a hundred and twenty dollars. You are not leaving it on the ground. Like, oh, I knew how much everything cost. But interesting the, the, how it worked into our budget. Never interesting. Never. Mm -mm. Um. I, and kind of like spending trends too, I reflected on that. It was like, slowly as I got a little bit older, like I could tell where my parents liked to spend their money um, and what they would maybe lavishly, mm. and I'm using lavishly in air quotes, but like lavishly spend on. And then what like my parents just refused to spend money on. Um, <laughs> so like travel, we were very well traveled yeah. as a family, but I was also like a competitive ski racer growing up and oh, no. my connection is unstable. Oh, you're back now. Okay. You're back now. I was a okay, competitive year yep. growing up and my dad would like, I think he made me ski on the same pair of skis for like 10 years as I was going through like <laughs> massive growth spurts as all of my like <laughs> colleagues yeah. were, had like multiple pairs of skis they were cycling through. My dad beat the shit yeah. out of this one pair of skis and would not buy me another pair of skis. <laughs> like no matter how much it influenced my actual life. They're expensive. Like, very expensive. But yeah. of course then he like would love to spend money on travel and like wine and fine dining yeah. so i think i was clued mm -hmm. into that a little bit but um i think it was very shocking that 60 percent of kids are aware of household budgets i thought that was a staggering number well ha 
Yeah. Have you seen those uh, new cards that are marketed to kids as well, like debit cards? And it gives them like it connects with your parents' phone and it just runs off an app. And it's designed to keep, teach kids budgeting. Like you can give them allowance, you can pay them like regularly, whatever you want. But it's designed to like be very functional for kids on their phones to teach them budgeting and how to run a bank account. I didn't read about that. Oh, how do oh, you yeah. feel about that? I think that's super interesting. At first I was like cringe at it, but now I'm like, that is fascinating. Yeah. It's called green light debit cards for kids and teens. I know at first I was like, Ooh, but like, it's really, really structured for families. And like, it, it doesn't sync to any like local bank, but it's like just through the parents app, the parent has an app and they can like, I love pay that them directly from there. So it makes sense to me like have them get used because i think the biggest thing that i was always warned about is like you don't see your money when you're swiping plastic you know like that is that is a phenomena that you don't really realize like that's real money and all it takes is a swipe of plastic and if, like growing up you know it's a good skill to learn right like a very good skill to learn I was warned so hard about credit cards. My parents would not let me get a credit mm -hmm. card until I was like literally into my mid twenties. I did not have credit until I was in my mid twenties. <laughs> and to some degree yeah, it yeah. is, it was, a. am very too, thankful actually. because a lot of my friends are still in debt um, because they didn't understand yep. how a credit card worked. Yep. Uh, but I think yep. being financially yeah. responsible and understanding credit was something that I missed out on by yeah, not owning. Yeah, I, I agree. Card. I didn't get a credit card. Yeah, but I I didn't get one till my mid twenties either. And then yeah. running a business, you get in trouble on that one. Uh, but yeah, I just got out too. But it's hard. It's easy to get in, and it's mm -hmm. a swipe of a card, mm -hmm. like just for a little thing here and there. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So, I got rid of all mine now. Fuck it. Fuck it. <sighs> 87% of parents identify what they need to buy and then discuss it with the rest of the family. So as I was saying, it's definitely a family decision. Hey, I'm thinking about buying a car. Would we want to buy an SUV or are we thinking minivan? And they have that open discussion mm -hmm. with the family. Um, and I think that kind of rings true with even how I, I don't have like, I don't have children, but even the interaction between my husband and I, it's definitely kind of a family discussion down to the littlest thing. Yeah. So I kind of find that true as well. Um, what about you? I mean, you live alone, um, so you don't have to make many impactful <laughs> Rub decisions. <it> in. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to run your purchasing no, decisions lived... by anybody, which is fantastic. But in your well, previous I have, I have in previous, yeah, previous relationships. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't think I I really have. I mean, running it by someone else is always hard. I think you're a big believer that you always should have at least a little something that's just your own that just you don't have to check in with anybody else. You want to buy an extra large slushy in the mall. I don't know whatever you just kind of feeling like just that kind of having that financial freedom is important. Right, right. Um, absolutely. Even if you do share everything else. Right. And maybe, uh, and so, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on that, Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> maybe our specific situations <laughs> aren't super pertinent to this exact fact because we, neither one of us have children uh, and we're not making those big life choices, life purchasing choices uh, at this moment in well, our life. Well, what about buying a house for you? Yeah. yeah. What about buying a house? I think like, we how, were... how could you see that as being different if you have a kid? Like, how do you see the process that you went now? And then if you had a kid involved, how that would be different? Oh my God. I can pick out so many things. Uh, one, the kids would probably have a decision on their room. Like, oh, we would go through the house. Which room do you want? And then maybe there would be some fighting between siblings on like, no, he gets the bigger room. Oh, That's you have multiple kids. You have multiple kids. Oh, this is hypothetical. You've already, you're at, well, how, what's the number, Caitlin? What's the number in this hypothetical? I will, I want to preface that this is not my own hypothetical situation. This <laughs> is just like, if I am picturing a family that is not my own family. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is how I envision this family. I backed you into a corner there. Making yeah. a home okay. purchase. But yes, I mean, uh, you, uh, I can see the kids having decisions over rooms and yeah. uh, wall colors, wallpaper. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's kind of where I painted. I I painted Pokemon on my wall when I was a kid. They were pretty good too. You know, I was like, I was like Van Gogh of those Pokemon, but that you got to deal with that as a kid. Never do you, do we would go into a room now and be like, you know, it'd be great on here. Hand painted Pokemon. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no, it's a different decision. Right. So now that you know, kind of the facts, let's get into the marketing portion of this. So 87% of kids remember TV commercials. 77% of parents say their kids ask to buy products as seen on advertised on TV. And mm. 73 77. 77. Mm. And now 73% of those 77% of parents actually say that they've purchased the requested product that their kid asks for. <laughs> um, Parents spend 60% more when their kids are involved in the purchase decision. Those are the numbers wow. that are staggering to me. 60% more. Yep. Wow. Wow. So I, mm. again, kind of want to pause here. Like, what are those numbers? How do you feel about that? Do you have any feelings about hearing those numbers? I will, I want to preface this conversation that like, we are not parent shaming. If you <laughs> no, buy your children no. what they want, we are not parent shaming, but Zach and I do not have children. So we don't understand what those conversations are like um, and not having children of my own, but hearing those numbers, did it make you feel a certain way? Yeah. And first of all, yeah, no parent shaming, but keep buying shit. Like we're in the business of capitalism. I say, I don't care. They keep buying shit, parents. It's cool. It's cool. Um, so I think uh, the number that I was like, I wouldn't say surprised with, but like a little just kind of like, uh, you know, um, upset. I don't know the right word. Just kind of like a, was that 77% of parents say that they're, that they like, their kids tell them about the commercial and 73% mm -hmm. actually buy it. Mm -hmm. Like that is that, that like we, I was thinking e-commerce drop-offs. We do a bunch of like analytics on like, okay, how many times do they look at a product page and then click add to cart? And then how many times do they add to cart and leave? And how many times, you know, we are looking at that conversion funnel and 77 to 73% is great. Like that's an amazing conversion rate. I know. So just the fact that, they bend so easily yeah. to the requests of kids yes. is like, uh, that was my uh, initial yeah. knee jerk reaction on that too. Was like, man, I don't know what those conversations are like. And I don't know, but that seems like, are we spoiling our children by just giving into their requests? And yeah. I, but I also think, you know, it, it's a, it's a factor on the brand. Like they're not, they're not, promoting hugely expensive items typically right like these are like what 30 dollars hot wheel sets and stuff like that like it's not a big purchase ask but if yes. you get the kid to ask it then it's gonna add, you know that'll add up right so i think that's the tactic of brands too don't go big purchase items i don't think you see like facebook oculus rift like yeah. uh promoting on to kids directly to kids they're going after like young adults right so that's a great call out. I and I think as a parent, you're kind of like, fine. You, you go back to your, your Walmart analogy where your kid is throwing a temper tantrum in the middle <laughs> of the aisle. And you're like, fine, if this costs me $5 to see my kid like occupied for the next five hours, then that $5 is so worth it to me. Um, yep. I think as I'm kind of like, backing myself into a corner here i think this would have been a great episode to actually have a parent on we should have thought <laughs> ahead of this uh we always talk about having guests uh, on our podcast so i think this would have been a great one to actually see through yeah. so i apologize uh, to any parents if we're like sticking our foot in our mouth but the problem is i i don't know a single parent that has the time to hop on an hour podcast on a saturday so true <laughs> you know? so true like, yeah. yeah they're too busy they're too busy um uh, yeah, so what what type of 
influence do children have? Let's get into that. Mm. Product type. And you uh, kicked us off with this with your Cheerios, or uh, sorry, your Lucky Charms reference. Uh, Product type, product decision. Don't get me on that Cheerios train. I'm a big Cheerios person. So, yeah, you are. You give me Cheerios vibes. You give me Cheerios vibes. That was the other. The other day we were on a call and I was eating a bowl of Cheerios and I stuck my elbow in it. That was the, that was the bowl I was eating. <laughs> Big Cheerios fan over here. <laughs> well, at least you didn't waste a good cereal, you know, <laughs> you just wasted a few Cheerios. <laughs> um, so what do I mean by product type? So the product decision in which the children will be the primary consumer is where they have the most sway. So, i.e. breakfast mm. cereals, snack foods, toys, children's clothes, and school supplies. A- another kind of interesting aspect of the influence of children is uh, things like cars. And let me get into that. So although mm. children have a low influence over the price range of things, Um, They are involved when it comes to color, make, model, brand choice. And that was super interesting to me because one article I read kind of gave this analogy, I'm sorry, not analogy, but an example of an SUV with a refrigerated cooler in the middle console. And that not having any relevance to me at all, but children see that and they're like, this is the coolest gadget ever. Mom, we have to buy this Mm -hmm. because I can keep my Go-Gurts refrigerated after soccer practice. (laughs) And like, I can just see this scenario playing out. And then once again, you go back to the Walmart scenario where you're like, Okay, if I just buy this extra $500 refrigerator to put in my car, will it keep my child occupied? That is worth it to me. So just like little things like that, where you see all these like catchy things that don't mean anything to us as adults, but to children, Mm -hmm. they're the people who get wide-eyed at those little things like lights in the console or refrigerators, like I explained, or or the different colors even. (laughs) Um, yes. So those are some examples. Um, the marketing. I just, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I I just think it's, it's very telling of our nature that, and every example we give of like a parent buying something for a child that's never out of love. It's always like, just keep you occupied for a few hours. Totally. (laughs) They're never like, oh, I love you. Like, you can have this. They're like, no, if it's going to shut you up, cool. Like, take it. That is the cost benefit right there. (laughs) And that is why I feel like you and I might be sticking our foot in our mouth because we don't have children and that's how we (laughs) see children acting. So I wish we had a parent on here to be like, no, I actually do enjoy giving my kids a Hot Wheels. Like, this is out of love, not to keep them occupied. But yeah, to Zach and I were like, how do we just keep this child busy? (laughs) Yeah, well, well, if you're a parent listening and you have time to do a podcast and you want to talk about this, hit us up, Manipulating the Masses podcast on Facebook. We'll redo it. We'll get a guest in here. We'll have a parent ready to go. Not to even redo it. Side up. There is so much information out here that I think we can do a volume two of this. Like, let's do the mm. sequel of Buying Power of Children with an actual parent on this podcast. Um, yes. Because yes. there's a lot of information that preferably I preferably one that to. buys their products. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, preferably one that buys their products out of love and not share. Like, just keep you fucking busy. Yeah, let's get. You if know. there is someone out there that does that, <laughs> if there is, I I can't imagine, but sure, put it out there. <laughs> so let's talk dollars. We love a good dollar conversation. In 1983, yes. companies spent $100 million marketing to kids. Today, they're spending $17 billion marketing to kids. I know. And wow. you go back to what? 17 billion. 17 billion. But wow. you go back to the $1.2 trillion of buying power that these yeah. kids have. And it's insane. You just get grab a little piece of that pie and you're fucking winning. You're winning. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 
That's um, nuts. I mean, that is such a crazy, crazy big amount. So where do under they under eleven? Like that's under eleven. Yes. So uh, where do they hit these kids with marketing? Uh, one of these venues is, of course, uh, media. Obviously, uh, it's grown at an exponentially rapid pace. I mean, everywhere you see tablets catered to children, you see video games, you see learning. Mm. You kids are learning yeah. on media now. Um, a majority of the U.S. children have television access in their bedrooms. What do you wow. think? Wow. I know. Were you a television in your room, no. kid? Were you a television no. in your room? No, I was never allowed. I wanted one so badly. Me too. But hindsight, hindsight, good move by my parents. Because as soon as I got a computer, I was relentlessly up late, like just chilling on the computer. You were Crazy. like chatting AOL girls like till 12, 12 midnight yep. you were like downloading Napster yep. and LimeWire and that's that's making CDs. And, and I was a teenage boy yeah and I was a teenage boy that's the G version of everything you know <laughs> I was it was uh. <laughs> I was a teenage boy with a computer in his room there not good only bad things yeah bad I was things. like I was a kid who had like two hours of television a day uh mm, will i fun. mention this later on in the podcast but an average amount i might be misquoting so maybe i'll save it i'll save it or maybe i'll find it in my notes okay. what to do what to do oh here it is today children spend an average of 44.5 hours per week in front of a screen in front of any screen yes uh well i like okay can I can I dissect that? Because that's a crazy number. That's a full time job. My right? of sitting in front of screens. My eye doctor said, Caitlin, you've spent the past ten years burning your retinas by working on a computer. Yeah. Like your eyes are shot, and so we need glasses yep. earlier and earlier. Like, can you even imagine like yep. the the burned retinas of these children coming up in the next generation? That's all I can think about beyond I just the free time. That's nuts. <laughs> like, that's nuts. I hope technology. Yeah, every time I go to the eye doctor. Yeah. We don't know. Every time I go to the eye doctor, all he says is "ooh," <laughs> you know, like that's the only noise he makes. Yeah. And I'm like, "Yup, it's getting worse, man." Like I'm sitting in front of a screen, but okay, so I'm probably in front of a screen probably 60 hours a week because we work on screens, right? Like, so now that kids are going to school virtually and using more media in school and stuff, it's not like when we were in high school, we just had like a computer class, you know? And True. it was like a, one computer lab in the entire school. Like they're, they're everywhere now. True. So I think they're just, they're just, it's integrated into our lives, you know? That's a like, fair- Go out and fucking colored chalk. That's a fair analysis. Um, I have to find my notes back where I was. Just wanted to drop that hot fact. Did that number that number surprised you too, though? Did Hell you, yeah. Like, oh, I compared it to a, job, right? yes, exactly. I compared it to a work week. Forty hours a work week. These kids mm -hmm. are spending forty hours of screen time, which I definitely didn't do that. But that's okay. Like I hate to be that older person to be like back in my day. Like I I don't want to say yeah. that because um yeah well no. so, I, i've already said it like three times i do it every time i talk about these kids i already feel like an old man I'm getting so back to my notes um oh okay so children's media uh mo the majority of children have access to television in their bedrooms and then here's where it comes into play is a lot of this screen time is unsupervised by parents. And so much of the marketing content that they view is in a context where parents are not present and they're not able to kind of either fast forward through commercials or, you know, whatever. So mm. they're getting constantly fed with marketing trends without the supervision of their parents. Um, yeah. And so those two trends really have we've seen a noticeable rise in marketing directly to children is one, they're unsupervised watching a screen and two, they have access to screens 44 hours a week. 
Uh, the American Psychological Association, Association, the APA, reports that children view more than 40,000 commercials every year. Uh, some estimates state that children will now spend more time watching television than they will spend in class for their entire schooling. And this I want to specify is spend more time watching television, not just screen time, watching television. Um, children can often recognize brand names by age three or four, even before they read. <laughs> mm -hmm. One. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that branding person? What do you think? Do you just, does your mind just go, well, that's just good branding then? <laughs> or do you think that's a problem? Honestly, yeah. my mind didn't go to branding. My first instinct was like, how offensive would it be if you were the mother expecting one of their first words to be mom and they came out with Cheerios? That's where I, that's where my well, mind went. At my kid. Like they're <laughs> my learning. My kid said Cheerios. They were leaving the house. I don't care if it's three years old. Get you on your own. You're they're, on your own. they're learning Get brand out. names before they're learning like colloquial language. So mm -hmm. interesting. Do, I didn't really I feel have much like, of an opinion. I feel like, yeah, I feel like those kids, I mean, especially like the, the kids brands, but even like McDonald's, like you, you, I've seen little kids yeah. know exactly yes. what's going on as soon as they pull into a McDonald's. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, you recognize it for the experience. Very interesting. Very interesting. One scenario of marketing uh, uh, to kids are through characters. So often characters are introduced in movies and they're transitioned into television series. And then they feature these characters in commercials and they're blurring the lines between content and promotion. And so, yeah, I see you nodding your head. You see the connection now. You kicked us off with like your favorite commercials had to do with some sort of character. And so even before they were coming out yep. with like these elaborate Pixar movies that we see every every so often um they were still kind of creating a storyline for lucky charms creating a storyline for tricks mm -hmm. uh tony the tiger so you're really connected to these characters yes yes it's a great um, tactic. It's it's you buy into a story. It's a lifestyle, you know, like you it's a and now it's a narrative that kids can wrap their minds around, you know. Yeah, there there it is. I, I love I love that. Um so marketers are really relying on because let's back in our day, it was just Tony the Tiger, it was the tricks character, it was whatever, uh kind of building the promotional material but now they're relying on pixar movies and disney movies to start selling to kids uh so they're relying on these licensed characters to push push promotion sales oh. anything like that and a great example of this is fuck you nailed it already was mcdonald's so let's look at mcdonald's as you're a child oh, remember all those happy meals used to change with the current movie yep. that got released so it would be like a jafar yep. theme or aladdin theme or like anything back in our day uh that would be the theme of the yep. happy meals and now they're doing the same thing with like what uh the the stat i have in front of me is shrek uh, forever after movie is what that was called. And McDonald's okay. relied on this yeah. for, to push promotions for their happy meals. And they saw a 15% sales increase, uh, by including Very all of the nice. Shrek characters. So mm -hmm. not only, mm -hmm. not only are marketers kind of creating this, uh, narrative, but they're also using licensed characters from movies to push promotion. Yeah. And you know, what's the most interesting about that to me, and I'm, I'll, I'll go into story mode really quick is, uh, we had that as a child, as children. Yes. They're continuing to do that. It still works on us as, as millennials, as adults. So they had McDonald's did the similar thing with, uh, the cartoon Rick and Morty. Are you familiar? It's like in a more adult, like yeah. cartoon, right? And they had one episode where they talked about um, that McDonald's 
gave a Szechuan sauce when Mulan was released. Wow. They did that in their Happy Meal. And they were like, yeah, like they traveled back in time to like get it because it was so good. And McDonald's like released a limited supply and they sold out in about four minutes. Oh my like God. people just flooded the McDonald's to get this. And it was like our age people being like, yeah, they mentioned it in Rick and Morty and now McDonald's is doing it. So I'm going to go get it. it. We're still susceptible to it with animated characters. Like it works, man. It oh my works. God. That's really interesting. You kind of touched on another point that I'm going to make later on. <laughs> You're like always one okay. step ahead of me I'm in just... this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're just you just structure your podcast well. You get me to think before, like you're leading me to the right areas, you know. So um, I kind of yeah. have like a critical thinking question and a hypothetical situation. So oh. out of all of the products that we currently market, kind of in our repertoire, um, are there mm. any of them that you can see? us like in a hypothetical situation potentially using the power of children to persuade their parents to buy we're marketers are there any mm. of our current products the lineup that we currently market that you can kind of see us manipulating children while you're thinking Cannabis. about that i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> so, while you're thinking about that at me, FBI. Mm -hmm. uh i kind of had some time to think about it and I yeah, kinda, hit me. I chose one of our least sexy products because we do have like makeup and cosmetic lines that we work with. And those seem kind of like an easy win somehow to manipulate children into buying yeah. for their parents or something like that. But I chose asphalt. And where I could see asphalt being used is like, what if you create a campaign around the joys of playing on asphalt? So you ride your bike, you rollerblade, you hopscotch. And there's so like, I live in a suburban neighborhood, Skin right? Me. A cul-de-sac. Yeah. And maybe mm. there's some sort of like, hey, make sure your parents have a really smooth driveway so you can run a slip and slide down it. Or make sure that oh. your parents have a smooth driveway so you can create hopscotch with all of your friends and bring all the kids to the yard. Um, <laughs> it's or a basketball court. Like basketball a basketball court. court. There yes. you go. There you, I was like, I don't think the kids are going to be like, yes, I need a hopscotch, a great hopscotch, but basketball and like all of that stuff, like absolutely yeah i could see that i oh i think that's a creative angle just be like hey like you need to redo your driveway or you need to get an extra like mom and dad can we get a basketball court yes. in the backyard like you know yep. like, stuff like that i need you to pour mm. concrete in the backyard so i can play basketball with all my friends uh yeah dude did i like jog any creative ideas out of you by pitching you the asphalt um yeah because my mind first went to makeup and cosmetics but yeah. i think like marketing to kids in that can be so pretty toxic to target kids um i don't know of any other like we have a seafood delivery client oh i take it back I take it back. Uh, we have a smokehouse that we do marketing for uh, out of Seattle. And I think like a cool smoke like restaurants might have a great angle to market to kids. Like even if you don't have like their marketing is like whiskey and great meat, but you can also be like the cool smoker, like the, the cool guys cooking Awesome, Not even that, but like food, you know? it goes kind of back to what I was saying about how kids have a decision over like the greater good of the family so maybe the marketing angle could be like yeah. spend family time here this is where you want to go to enjoy the sunshine and the patio and yep. like meet the cooker meet the griller and like you promote this family time and the kid goes to the mom and the mom is like yeah this is a good place to bring the kids yeah i like yep. that love it love it Mm -hmm. um look at look at us coming up with creative stuff on a saturday on a saturday Bam. work never stops <laughs> nope. work never stops 60 hours 60 hour screen time in action <laughs> not only do these kids have influence over family decisions but kids 8 to 12 year olds 8 to 12 year old 8 to 12 year olds spend 30 billion 8 to 12 years old 
there i just like emphasize the wrong syllable <laughs> uh, uh what do they spend i'm sorry they spend 30 billion dollars of their own money each year so that is where the direct spending comes into play and that is you know wow. i was trying to wrap my brain around that like what does that mean and i think you alluded to it earlier was like your uh what do you call it <laughs> your allowance like green light allowance Oh yeah, your allowance. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And no matter I don't mm -hmm. I don't know how much allowance kids get these days, but you are getting something and maybe well, you with choose... inflation, you know. <laughs> they could be making more than me these days. <laughs> yeah, they probably. Um, um yeah, no, I agree. Like they have their own money. Um yeah. and some of them uh even have their own revenue uh by you know yeah. promoting lemonade I mean, stands content content well lemonade stands but we like, went in a very content, different like, direction <laughs> very different direction you're thinking old school i'm thinking like those kids that make millions of dollars doing toy unboxings on youtube like those kids can spend some money too but i love it so the direct i love that kids at that age have direct buying power too um yeah but that's a lot 30 billion. 30 billion. And then uh, they influence 150 billion of their parents' spending, wow. like on food, household items, like furniture. Like I can I can picture this mm. scenario where a kid and a family walk into Ashley's furniture outlet or whatever, and kids start jumping on couches and they kind of have that decision making power. Um, electrical appliance. <laughs> All the kids in our head are terrible. Are tearing. <laughs> like, they're, just, they're, they're jumping on couches in a furniture store. Like, how unruly are these kids? Like, you don't even fucking own the furniture yet. Uh, I love that. <laughs> um, they have buying power over vacations, the family car, like I was saying, and kind mm -hmm. of and other spending like that. Um, yep. In addition to spending their own money and influencing their parents' buying habits, children represent a third type of marketing potential, that of the future consumer. And this is what you were alluding to where I said I might get to that is the power of brand loyalty. So if they capture a child's mm. attention, you have that child's attention. If you do a good job, you have that child's attention for the rest of their life. And uh, you talked yep. about it with, what is it, Rick and Morty. And I'm thinking back to my own yep. childhood, like there's brands that kind of give you that feel good nostalgia that you might want to go i mean actually like, like nintendo 63 or whatever like mario kart mm, like 64 okay 64 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh mm -hmm. but yeah, i can't so let you get off with that one just like the entertainment stuff you won't let me slide i can't let you slide on the video game stuff like, here it's we're, in we're the 60s let, we're gonna let you know <laughs> uh but yeah like the mario kart right like yeah. that feeling of nostalgia yeah. i'm sorry yep. yes um yeah, anything yeah, think, that you can remember so from huge. your childhood? Uh, as like a brand loyalist? I mean, like, I think as like a kid growing up, you were like Xbox or PlayStation. Mm. You know, like that was your decision that you had with your friends was sure. like, do you get an Xbox? Do you get a PlayStation? What are you on? What got into it? Like, like I, that was always like, I can imagine them marketing to kids to try to get brand loyalty you just got me thinking gamers the rest of their life we didn't have these options growing up but like i thought about mac or like iphone versus samsung or mm. mac versus pc and you put a kid in front of a mac tablet or i'm sorry like a ipad or a samsung tablet and that kid might have loyalty to those products moving throughout their life i so yeah, yeah just kind of one new age example of brand loyalty so i believe that it, yeah especially especially when it comes to like functionality because yeah. have you ever seen a like young two-year-old now navigate a tablet they they can't they read for shit, but they know yeah. what buttons to push to yeah. like get to where they need to go they can do it just fine so like even that functionality is just ingrained in their brain so when they get older it's gonna be mm -hmm. like it's nothing yeah. you know crazy
So what are the controversies? Let's get into those. Marketing food to children. Many experts see a relationship between childhood obesity and marketing unhealthy food to kids, as we see in the McDonald's examples. Uh, APA mm. says obesity rates in children have tripled in the last 25 years. 18% of children mm. 6 to 11 are obese, and 21% of teens age 12 to 19 are obese. Uh, and then you add in that mm. additional layer of media and how children are spending so much time in front of the screen, you're really amplifying that. Any thoughts around that or just kind of seems to track? Seems to track. Yeah. I just, I, what's the solution, you know? Like, uh, it's it's like, I don't know. At what responsibility is it brands and at what responsibility is it the parents and, and the community that, around and them? That is where I see an opportunity for volume two of this podcast, because I agree there is like mm. the parenting aspect of it. And I think back to some of the documentaries that I watched, there was this chef, Jamie, I think it's Jamie, uh, fuck, he's a British chef and his whole quest is healthy options for children specifically and replacing the pizzas at lunch with apples and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, so that's kind of his whole quest. Mm -hmm. And he, a lot of parents cop out in this documentary, I will say in this documentary specifically, uh, a lot of parents use the cop out of, well, McDonald's is so easy and cheap. I can't afford to do yep. healthy options on a weekly basis. Um, and he's trying to kind of disprove that. So there is responsibility of the parents um but we just witnessed the the sway that children have um mm -hmm. so it's hard i mean the the there's so much responsibility to divvy out all around yes you know it was an important lesson that i learned in recent ish but like in adulthood was that like vegetables are delicious like I, I blame my parents. I didn't like to eat. I would like to eat out in McDonald's, but like, yeah, you're just going to throw broccoli in a pot of water and blanch it and then serve it up. Yeah. It's going to be awful. Like you got to put a little zest in there, blanch like put, it. make it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just going to blanch it and throw it on the table and be like, eat it. It's good. I'm not shout out to my mom. She's a wonderful cook. She listens to the show. I am not shitting on your cooking mom. I'm just saying vegetables are delicious and but, i've only learned that in adulthood <laughs> first of all i have two follow-up questions to that one can you walk <laughs> listeners through the act of blanching yeah isn't it you just boil water maybe a little salt in there and then you just throw the vegetables in there and then you boil it till it's cooked and you take it out and it's literally just cook it with water that's blanche like you just cook it in water you just, okay you're talking to blanche. a non-cook here like, so that's what a blanche is oh yeah that's a Blanche. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I watch a lot of cooking shows. I assume everybody knows what blanching is. Okay. But yes, no, you just throw it in water. You just like uh, boil it and then it take it out. And it's like, that's it. Like, the second follow-up um, thing I have for this is to Mrs. Phillips's credit, <laughs> blanching <laughs> a vegetable is the most nutritious way to serve a vegetable because your version of a delicious vegetable is probably over salted, maybe a little bit over buttered and you're really like well, sucking the nutrients right take... out, out of it. Mm. Let's be careful on that use of over a little salted, maybe okay. a little buttered just to like add some flavor, but like, when okay, you... great nutrients. Awesome. But like they can be delicious too. Why not both? Right? Why not both? I mean, you might as well serve them a French fry. <laughs> okay. Okay, Caitlin. <laughs> no, well, potatoes yes. not bad either, right? I think yeah. yes, a vegetable can yeah. be very delicious, but you're taking all the nutrients out of it. But again, I am a I am a non-cook, but uh, <laughs> in all of my experience you saute a vegetable and you drown out all of the yeah. nutrients oh well if that's the case then consider me nutrient I, I would rather eat delicious food and getting zero nutrients we're not what are you what do you need nutrients for to prolong this actually, agony we call life 
I think I've got, I think I've, enjoy it. I think I've taken us down a rabbit hole that I'm not even like soup. I can't even stand by anymore. Like I kind of disagree with my own self is like, yeah, saute your vegetables. There's plenty of nutrients in a vegetable. I don't know. I'm just like arguing for the sake of arguing. So I apologize. It's Saturday. I've only had one cup of coffee. Um, and, no, to your credit, you came to my mom's defense. Like we've been talking about parents and you just like instinctively, you were like, no, I got to defend Mrs. Phillips. And that she'll, she'll commend you for that. And I will hear about it at our next family dinner. So when I get served blanched to vegetables. There it is. There so it we'll is. See. We'll have to walk it. We'll have to walk it out. Fucking hell! Where was I before this bland conversation? Oh, started? that was a rabbit hole. That was a rabbit hole. Yeah, and um, I don't mind. It's been two weeks, Caitlin. You know we got. <laughs> Okay, so we talked about yes. Uh, okay, so we're marketing food to children. There's there's controversies around that. Uh, additionally, <laughs> yeah. a large body of research is growing about the impact of advertising on children, in particular, the impact on cognitive development and the potential effects of exposure in advertisement. What do I mean by that? For example, yeah, there's questions concerning the ability of children to understand the intent behind advertisements rather than being manipulated by them. Um, one study found that children don't realize that athletes in television commercials are paid to promote those products and vice versa. They also believe that children in advertisements are real rather than paid actors. So you're kind of like, once again, blurring the lines of reality and being manipulated by marketing. And us as adults, we're able to make those differences. We're, we're kind of separate those differences. We're able to see an advertisement and say, that's not real and move on with our lives or you know like uh fucking peyton manning is a great example of him promoting all of that insurance state farm and all that stuff we're able to say peyton is paid a lot of money to be an ambassador for this program i don't now i have the decision to make on whether i believe him or don't believe him but children don't have that cognitive ability to say i believe him or i don't believe him does that make sense you're squinting your mm. eyes like it doesn't make sense yeah, I think you, it does make sense, but I think you're giving a lot more credit to adults than we deserve. Because I think of like the Jake from State Farm guy. Like I've seen videos of him walking down the street, people screaming, Jake, Jake. Like they think he's Jake and they think his name's Jake. Like they, they I think the same with Flo. Like people see it, they're like, Flo, hi. Like they think they know these people and that's their real name. I think you're giving way too much credit to adults. I, I agree like with the children, like not being able to determine. I don't think adults can determine it either. The whole point is to suspend, the whole point of TV is suspension of reality. Yeah. And commercials are placed within that suspension of reality. So you continue that, that brain that like, I think nobody can tell the difference and that's why we're successful. That's why this industry is still going, you know? I think you bring up I a really great point over. and I'm laughing even at myself because like Flo <laughs> is such a personality in our lives for the past 10 years or however long she's been doing this. And I don't know what she is like outside of her character versus like Peyton Manning. Yeah. You understand that Peyton Manning, yes. his person, he's a football player and you can follow him on yes. Instagram and you know about his family. And then you see him in a commercial and you're like, great, he's a paid ambassador. But Flo, it's such a good point. It's like, I don't know anything about Flo. In my opinion, she is progressive. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And if you saw her on the street, you'd be, and she was like, hey, how you doing, Caitlin? Well, you wouldn't know what to call her. You'd be like, hi, Flo. Like, that would be the first thing to go to your brain, you know? Yes. Like, I think and that's you the would whole point of advertising is to get people. You would yeah. expect her to wear a white apron. You would expect her to be in character. <laughs> yeah. You would expect her to share the same mannerism. Like, can you imagine if you saw Flo out in the club just getting, like, fucking lit or, like, snorting cocaine? Yeah, You're like, like, Flo? Smoke. Yeah, that's you ruined my whole like, life. <laughs> yeah, I hope she has good insurance. She better, you know, all that time she put in there, like doing rails in the bathroom, like. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. So I, I, I agree that that 
can be a problem for kids because they're not able to draw that line maybe as well. But I think the whole point of advertising is to blur that line and Mm. make you think that the happy people in a fucking uh, pharmaceutical commercial are just happy people who actually take the pill and have seen the benefits. So true. You know, like if there's there, that's the whole point is to get people to be did not see behind the curtain and understand what's going on. You know? I really like that point. And just to kind of spin off of it though, or to ask you a, a question is as adults, like, yes, I, I, you bring up a really valid argument, but if someone were to say, Caitlin flow, isn't real, you understand that, right? <laughs> I could be like, oh yeah. Like snap back, snap out of reality, snap back to reality. To quote Eminem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for a child, you're going to be like, Susie, you know that Tony the Tiger is not real, right? And their their whole world might be like broken and shattered. Like that is their reality versus as an adult, you yeah. are able to have a reality a little bit that you're able yeah, to kind of but is there a problem? It. Yeah, I, I think, is there a problem with as kids thinking these things? Are, like, Santa Claus is a great example. Don't, kids, if you're under ten, five, turn this off right now. But, like, Santa Claus is, is like, they and parents want their kids to believe that Santa Claus is real, right? Like, there's no problem with having an imagination as a kid and thinking that's real. We all grow up and learn that it's not. Listeners, if you have had a traumatic Santa Claus story, please send it in because (laughs) I am interested because I didn't have a traumatic Santa Claus coming of age story where like my parents told me Santa Claus wasn't real and I lost my shit. But I wonder if that's real. Like I wonder (laughs) if people do are like traumatized by that because your whole life you're being told that this is real. The North Pole is real. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, what the fuck this is you've been lying to me yeah and i can't remember that and everybody's been keeping it up yeah i can't remember that moment in my life can you uh -uh. uh-uh i don't think there was a a singular moment you bring up a good point and i just want my gut reaction is like yeah we do lie to kids for the first 10 years of their life and then their reality is broken and they lose their shit and they're traumatized and then they don't believe anything <laughs> then they go on euphoria and then they just yes. do drugs all the time and then you they're know? stuck in next lollipops you know? Oh, man. So, yeah, all because Santa. I've seen fuck you, funny, Santa. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Fuck you, Santa. I don't know. Um, you uh, Again, yeah, you bring I, up a good point, but I would like to hear some horror stories of maybe people's reality yes. being fractioned by their parents yes. lying to yes. them for their first 10 years of their life. But... I don't know. Yeah. I was not phased. I was like, oh, am I still getting presents? Cool. Like, I didn't care, care who was giving it to me. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I just think with kids, like, yeah, that's, it, I, it's easy for a study to say that, like, they're, we're manipulating them, but they're manipulated by everything. They're kids, like, you know, it, do you remember, like, a lie that your parents told you that you believed until you were, like, a little too old that you should believe in it? And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's not real. Um, that's not for public broadcasting, Zach. That's between me okay. and my therapist. Okay, same. Well, same here. Okay, I was going to say mine was a little touch and go too, but yeah, I think. But the moral of the story is everybody has one of those, right? Like yeah. everybody has one of those. So I can't, don't blame brands for sending them flashy, fun commercials. Like. Yeah. So I think this, this, uh, conversation that we're having, that's all I have by the way. Um, and I think that this does lead us into, I think that there's room to do kind of a volume two of this. I think we can allude to, or we can talk about the credit card thing and managing a budget. And then there's also things Mm -hmm. out there where kids have access to their parents, iTunes account, and they're able to just purchase apps on a win, a whim. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there's little things like that, that I'd love to get some parents' opinions about the Santa Claus thing. So 
Uh, I think if anything, this podcast has just kind of like fermented for me that like we can move into an episode number two. I agree with that because I would also be curious because I mean, I mentioned this, but there is a huge market on YouTube for like unboxing and 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 like there's a kid marketplace on YouTube. And that is where I, I think like the age of commercials where we saw commercials every day, 40,000, that's going down, mm-hmm. right? Like there's not a lot of kids just sitting watching live TV. Yeah. They're watching Coco Melon on Netflix with no mm-hmm. commercials. Where they're getting their commercials is YouTube. And it's from consumption of like Fortnite videos. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think Twitch is another avenue that a lot of kids are are on and watching. And you can start to incorporate video ads mm-hmm. and Twitch. So yep. um, it'd be interesting to see where that marketplace is happening. Fascinating stuff, Caitlin. I Does think- this make you want to have kids? No, that's what I'm I said kidding. at the top. You can cut that one out. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, you can cut that out. If you're not prepared to spend millions of dollars on children, yeah. do not have children. Yeah. So I have, to, investment. I have not to stomach a good one. that. I have to stomach that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, that's all uh, I got. For more uh, behind the scenes, make sure to follow our Facebook group, Manipulating the Podcast. And as always, this was put out by McMillan and Phillips Creative Digital Agency. So follow us on Instagram at agency. And that's all she wrote. Bye. Bye.